Well, welcome everybody to, to this week's version of uh, <laughs> it's not Barry and Mark, it's Barry and SJ today. So uh, welcome, SJ. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you once again. Uh, I think you were on with us maybe in maybe November of last year, I think. I don't it's know if you... That, it's been that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A couple of months in the Yeah. It, I tell you, the older you get, the faster thing, faster time flies, eh? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's a delight to have you on, my friend, and, and just, uh, you know, two, what they say, two brothers from different mothers, but we're, you know, it's... Exactly. We, uh, it's we got the same dad and so we're gonna I'm gonna look forward to this uh, for those who are watching you uh, you might know notice that Mark Jod is normally with us in the, the weekly broadcast but Mark is actually in Uganda this week uh, doing schools with another friend Mike Hammond I think everything's going well no news is good news I haven't heard much from him but I think uh, the internet is a little spotty but uh, I think he's doing well. He'll be back next week. But uh, SJ, we just want to like absolutely welcome you on to the just the live stream. And yeah, I, we just honor you. We just value what you carry. Um, SJ and I were talking about when we met. It was probably 2004, 2005-ish, you know, when yeah, we first met. Like it. Something yeah. like that. So yeah, so um, can you, before you start, can you talk a little bit about um, uh, you've written what three books, correct? I've written more than that, but actually, uh, there are three books that I pretty much just uh, promote these days. Uh, one's entitled "Enjoying God." Um, another one is "A Love for the Ages," and it's all bridal. That's what we talked about, I think, in November. Yeah, uh, the whole divine romance, the bridal paradigm of Scripture. And then my latest one written in 2018 is entitled, What's God Really Like? With a subheading, Unique Insights into God's Fascinating Personality. So, wow. yeah. I've done a couple projects with like 10 or 11 different authors. Um, but yeah, these are primarily the three books that uh, are available right now. So, And where, where can people get those? The best place to get them, since I no longer have an office with staff, <laughs> is uh, just go to Amazon, yeah. and uh, you can you can find them there. And uh, they're in the Kindle version. And my latest book, "What's God Really Like," is also on Audible. So, oh, yeah. Did you narrate it? No, uh, I had a former student who has a better voice than I do. Uh, and had had enough time where he did it for me. Yeah, and, uh, did a real good job. Yeah, that no, that's I great. I've never done anything like that before. I was kind of a bit uh, concerned how I could do it and do the editing, and uh, yeah, it, it just it wouldn't have been the best for me, you know. Yeah. So, no, I know the feeling. I I, I did the same thing uh, with the, our father's love letter devotional book. I. I just found somebody who had a, a great voice and and again it's 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 uh yeah that it it would have been for me just the you know having everything you know perfect you know as far as pronunciation and I thought oh, no it better get let the pros do it so that was great sure. so yeah yeah yep. 
So we've got, uh, if, again, from our friends who are watching live, and of course you might be watching afterwards as well, we have friends from Sweden that are on, and I'm just looking at Northern Ireland, and Sprucedale, and British Columbia, that's in Canada, and Spain, and Southampton, and UK. Feel free to put you where you're from, and I'm sure there's people from other places that, uh, it's just amazing, uh, uh, SJ and I were talking about, it never gets old for us that, you know, what kind of opportunity do you get to be able to speak to people in multiple countries at the same time other than this, right? I mean, this this is one of the the wonders of the internet. So it's, it's great that we were able to do this. So we're gonna have a conversation and um, I'm, I'm hoping that it will be more of SJ's ideas and myself because you guys hear me every week. But it's, it's uh, we talked about identity and um, our much loved identity as sons and daughters of the Father. And, and for those who have been with us before, you know this is one of the sweet spots for me personally. And, and, we, and I think it's, it's, it's just one of the core revelations that really affect how we live, right? I just feel like how we see ourselves, how we see God, and, and, and how it just impacts every part of our lives. So uh, any ideas where you want to begin with this conversation at all as far as the <laughs> I mean in in these 60 minutes I mean I probably could talk about this for eight hours but you know sure. we'll leave sure. that for the next broadcast but tell, any kind of thoughts that come to mind yeah for sure you know going back to my upbringing uh, I was raised as a preacher's kid and uh, I was telling you earlier that uh, growing up there were all kinds of expectations that were placed on me and so in growing up, you start to learn how to wear masks and uh, how to say the right things and act a certain way. And, you know, to some degree, as you grow up in that kind of environment, uh, you end up not really understanding your true self, your, your mm -hmm. personality. And, and then it becomes such a mixed bag the older you get. And then... For me, going into ministry, uh, man, I felt the expectations from all kinds of different directions. Mm. You know, people put certain expectations on you, and I came to realize very early that people couldn't really handle who you really were. You know, I mm. mean, when you just were normal, you know, you weren't behind a pulpit, you weren't the man of God. Uh, and so I, I lost friendships over the fact that in just wanting to be myself and yeah. kind of a joker, you know, I, I'm easygoing. Uh, that didn't sit well with, with some people. Mm. And uh, so it wasn't until I was in my 40s that I really began to understand that my identity uh, was more about father's feelings for me. Mm. With my unique personality than my ministry, who I ran with, who I knew, how many books I had written, you know, how, how, how big my meetings were. Uh, but this, this issue that I want to talk about today um, was a real challenge for me because uh, I, I'm just going to be honest. It's easy when you're in ministry to compare yourselves to other ministries. Uh, you know, you, you look at the size of their congregations or the size of their 
ministries or how much they travel and and uh, you know without even really consciously dwelling on it you you compare yourself to others mm. and then sometimes you just find yourself struggling with again your sense of worth or significance and uh, uh, I, I really had to work through some of this stuff I, I remember I went through a se season a number of years ago or I actually kind of felt like God had put me on the shelf I wasn't traveling as much as uh, I, I used to and uh, <laughs> I remember I was watching Christian TV one night in my wingback chair just kind of feeling a little sorry for myself and uh, I've never heard the audible voice of God I'm not trying to be spooky spiritual but it's like I really felt God speak to me very clearly and ask me a question now you know anytime God asks you questions he's not looking for information you know it's kind of like a loving setup so it's like okay where are we going with this yeah but the question he asked me was if I never used you again in ministry like you've been used to would you be content just being my son hmm. Barry that's a loaded question man oh wow and you know to be honest I didn't answer that question all hmm. that quickly because I wanted to be honest but man, what what a what a loaded question. Mm. And and yet the more I thought about that and meditated on it, I thought, you know, <laughs> that really is the key issue. It, it it's not about running around the world trying to save the planet. Mm. It's it's really finding our significance and our worth in the Father's love. Yeah. Would you just be content? to be my son, my boy. And so, you know, from that day on, especially, um, yeah, I've had to wrestle through stuff, uh, but um, the older I get, man, the more content I am mm. just being his boy, you know? Yeah. I'm his one-of-a-kind boy. There's never been another one like me, you yeah. know? There's never been another one like you. Uh, and uh, that, that just really... Uh, gives me incredible satisfaction mm. so this whole thing of uh, identity and significance is um, something I love to, to talk about because listen let's face it every one of us mm. comes into the world wanting to be special or feel special to somebody yeah Absolutely. That's an innate desire that God's put in every one of us. Mm. It, it's not about ego. It's not about pride. Mm. That's the way God's designed us. Yeah. And we should have found that initially within the love of our families. Mm. But for so many people, they don't. <laughs> I could tell you horror stories of people who have opened up to me over the years and mm. confided in me letting me know that uh, instead of feeling secure, instead of feeling loved and special, they were uh, browbeaten, mm. they were uh, verbally uh, abused, some even physically abused. And, uh, and so, you know, if you start growing up in that kind of environment, you not only get used to wearing the mask, but then as you go out into the workplace, 
Uh, and it can even happen before then. It can happen in, in grade school, high school, but especially when you get into the workforce, you, you autom automatically start looking for a sense of significance and worth in what you do or the people you run with. Yeah. And uh, I think that's why peer pressure in high school is, is so powerful. It's because you want to be accepted. You know, you, you, you want to feel loved. You want to feel valued. And, and yet, man, we live in such a fallen world. Uh, I, I would say the majority of, of the population on planet Earth right now were not raised in those kind of environments or cultures. Hmm. So for Jesus to come and not only heal, heal our disease of sin, but introduce us to his father and then let us become one with him so that we're a part of the family, you know, Father, mm. Jesus, Holy Spirit. That, that's just mind-boggling to me. And there are so many mysteries to that. And, and I, I so appreciate what you're doing and others, others are doing around the world in just introducing people to the love of the Father because that has got to be our core identity Otherwise, we're going to have serious issues. You know, we, we can love Jesus, but as far as living in freedom, we'll, we'll never fully comprehend that. Mm. I don't know what your background is, but um, you, you weren't a preacher's kid, were you? No, 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 yeah. no. My, I mean, for me, my, my dad, you know, I didn't come from a Christian home and oh, okay. my, my dad struggled with alcoholism and, and, uh, you know, he kind of, because he came from a broken home himself, he, he, oh. had, he kind of built walls around his own heart. And yeah. the only, only way, only time he noticed me really, as far as affirming me was when I performed, you know, when I did well in right. school or sports or whatever. Right. And so that created that same engine of, of, your identity, my identity was not in who I really was, but who I wanted, my, you know, I thought my dad wanted me to be, and, and that was rooted in, in the pursuit of, of success. And of course, with failure comes shame, and you have yeah. this incredible hamster wheel that you never get off with success. It's like, because mm -hmm. there's never enough that satisfies that hole. So I, I, can, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, that's powerful. And yet, look, God used that to prepare your heart mm. for the revelation of, of his love and goodness. Yeah. It's amazing how God does that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't uh, send evil, you know, he doesn't do bad things to, to people, but even in the mess, he recycles our trash. You know, I, yeah. I, I like to say that he, he takes the mess and he brings redemption out of it. And, uh, you know, I, I had a great father, but the ministry took my dad away from me. Mm. And uh, he always pastored small churches. The denomination we were a part of would put him in some real difficult situations because he was very pastoral and relational. But back in the 50s, you know, the pastor pretty much did everything. Yeah. So I still have that, that whole picture in my mind of my dad down in the basement of our parsonage on Saturday nights running off the bulletins, you know. Then he had to teach Sunday school, two services on Sunday, a service on Wednesday, and head up the hospital visitation programs. I mean, it's, so it wasn't like dad didn't care for me, but he was never there for me. Right. I mean, the two things that stick out to me are the two times he took me to 
two baseball games mm. in Chicago when we when we lived there. And, uh, you know, that may sound insignificant, but it was very significant to me, you know. Um, yeah. I, it, it, in fact, I remember a few years after my wife and I had our two sons, we were over at my dad and mom's house and uh, just enjoying a snack after service. And before we left, he, he looked at me and for the first time in my life, he said, I'm proud of you. Wow. I didn't know what to say, Barry. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. you, you know that your, your parents love you. They provide for you. But as far as a verbalizing of that, yeah, it just really wasn't that uh, existent in, in my upbringing. So for him to say that, I, I was speechless. Mm. I don't think I said much of anything. I think I just gave him a hug. But I went home and went back into my study and, and cried like a baby. I, wow. You know, it was just, oh, yeah. It it, uh, it touched something so deep in me, um, which, again, only affirms what I said a few minutes ago, that we, we come into the world longing for this. Mm. You know, this is, this is innate in every human being. And uh, like you said, you, you get out there in the real world and you end up on a roller coaster or a merry-go-round and it's just a vicious cycle. It yeah. just doesn't stop. Like you said, you can't become successful enough. You can't make enough money. You can't be popular enough. You still go to bed empty. I remember um, when Pam and I lived in North Carolina, I was uh, doing what a lot of guys like to do one afternoon. I had the, the um, controller, the TV control in my hands. I was just kind of stretched out on my couch and I was just channel surfing. You call it channel surfing yep. in Canada? Yeah. Okay. So I'm just doing this, you know, and just wanting to see what was on. And I came across an interview uh, with Hillary Clinton. And, uh, you know, it's not like I'm a fan of Hillary Clinton, but I stayed on the channel long enough to, to really grasp something of her heart and her background. Because as I'm watching this, the interviewer asked her point blank, what, what makes you such a motivated person? And, and I'm not kidding, Barry. It was like for a couple of seconds, she went somewhere in her in her memory. Hmm. You know, it's like her eyes drifted off a little bit, but you could tell that she was mem remembering something that had left a lasting impression upon her. And she went on to say this, that when she was going to school, grades to her dad were were incredibly important. And she was coming back one day from school with what she thought was a great report card. You know, she got all A's except one B. And she walked in the house excited, just hoping for some positive affirmation from her dad. And basically what he said was, man, your school must be uh, uh, easy to get good grades in. And then he went off on her for getting a B. Wow. All A's and one B, and all he saw was the B. And that that left a lasting impression upon her. And I'm sitting there looking at this with the uh, TV controls in my hands, and I'm going, 
you know, what, what did I just see here? Wow. And yet, it, it's, uh, I think it's a story that's relived again and again and again in the human experience. Yeah. And this is Hillary Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> Gee. One of my best friends is in the Motocross Hall of Fame, and he wouldn't mind me sharing this with you. Um, he's the only uh, motocross cyclist that have won both world champions championships. One on the dirt tracks and then one in Daytona. Wow. There's, there's never been another uh, cyclist that's ever done that. Now, there have been guys who have won more tournaments, championships, races, but they say that my friend Steve was the most versatile uh, racer uh, in the history of, of motorsports. And I'm only sharing that with you now because I remember years ago, he would hear me teach on the father's love, and I knew he was having an issue with it, you know? He, he radically had an encounter with Jesus, but that word father, I could tell, was dialing up stuff in him. And uh, one day we were in his very fancy house. He's been a successful uh, real estate uh, agent, uh, yeah, has made millions. Uh, yeah, has gone through his difficulties and trials, like we all have. But I was in his study one day in Texas, and uh, I mean, I never expected him to be this transparent. It was like nine o'clock in the morning. I think we hadn't even eaten. It was, yeah, just around time for coffee. And he looked at me and he said, "Here I am, S.J." in the motocross hall of fame, probably the most all around cyclist in the history of motocross. And yet he said, I have battled insecurity and rejection for years. Wow. He said, I still do. I, I still struggle with a sense of, of insignificance. He said, because, you know, his dad was old school. He just worked him, you know, he would never affirm him at all. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't uh, race fast enough. He couldn't work hard enough. And so Steve ended up just going out of his way to just prove to his dad that he wasn't a failure. He wasn't mm. a loser. In fact, Steve told me that when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, his dad didn't even tell him he was proud of him. His dad basically didn't say a thing. His wow. dad went to the... the uh, the meeting, the place where, where he was inducted, but yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at this guy, how many people get into a hall, any hall of fame? Mm. And I yet know. he struggles with insecurities and rejection and feels very insignificant. And he'd made a lot of money at that time. And uh, yeah, I just, I just think of people I've met over the years, like one guy in Australia, I'd been doing a conference on the father's heart and uh, he came up to me eh, after about the second session and he said uh, SJ can I just talk to you for a few minutes this is the first time I'd ever met this guy and he said you know I'm really struggling with what you're talking about I want to believe God loves me like you're sharing but he said I have a real hard time with it because I grew up where my dad constantly spoke negative words over me, told me I'd never amount to anything, that I was a loser. Oh. And this guy that I'm looking at 
was then a very successful businessman. I, I mean, we're talking about some serious money. But he wrestled with that, man. I mean, his his viewpoint of God was, was so warped because he couldn't imagine God as a father, hmm. not only loving him, but liking him. Yeah. Just wanting to be around him. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. I could just tell story after story after story about uh, this stuff. But, um, you know, for me, uh, I don't want to do all the talking, but... But for me, one thing that really impacted me about this whole issue of our identity and significance took place when I was in my study one time. And um, it was like I was just drawn to Mark chapter one. You know, it was kind of like I flip open my Bible or, you know, I'm shuffling around a little bit. I just sat down on my chair. And next thing I, I, I know, I'm, I'm in Mark chapter one looking at the baptism of Jesus. And I'm thinking, you know, what am I doing here? You know, but it was really, it was really a divine setup because as I was just meditating on those three verses, Mark chapter one, nine through 11, Holy Spirit started unpacking some stuff for me. And I saw something I had never seen before. I, I know that's happened to all of us. You know, it's like you can read passages before. I'd been in Mark 1 before, but I saw something I'd never seen before. And, and it was this. I, I discovered, as I'm looking at those verses, that the Father affirmed Jesus at his baptism before he had ever done any ministry stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm yeah. He hadn't raised the dead. He hadn't healed one person, as far as we know. He hadn't... Uh, uh, you know, uh, done any of those things that we identify with Jesus. He had multiplied food like popcorn. What had he done with his father? He had been working with his hands. Yeah. And uh, we, we would have called him today a common laborer. Hmm. And that just jumped out at me where the father affirms him and says, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Pleased with what? <laughs> what stuff? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What was he pleased with? He was pleased with the fact that that was his unique son. Yeah. That was his boy. And they were in this incredible loving relationship. And I'll tell you what, the lights came on for me. And that's really when Holy Spirit started unpacking my, my junk and slowly but surely started dealing with me about my insecurities, uh, yeah, my fears, not measuring up to other people's expectations uh, or what they were accomplishing. And uh, yet slowly but surely, I, I, began, I began to understand mm -hmm. that in my relationship with Father God, it's just about the two of us. It's not about, you know, my measuring up or mm. my doing the stuff or how many people have read my books or how many miles I've traveled around the world it has nothing to do with that. At the end of the day, in those quiet moments, it's about the fact that I'm special to him. Mm. And with your, your listening audience, it's the same with them. 
just think, guys and gals, there's never been another human being quite like you, and there never will be. It's bigger than our parents' DNA. Hmm. You know, our parents were, were involved in that for sure. But to think that God chose us and uh, that we can give him pleasure yeah. in a way no other human being can, hmm. that's what's to live for, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I think that even the the thought that we give God pleasure, right? It's just it, like I think I still think of that. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched the Chariots of Fire movie, uh, true story about the yeah, uh, Olympic sure. runner in, in the thirties, yeah. and just I love the one, uh, the one um, line that he said in the movie, and I think he said in real life is that God made me to run fast, and when I run fast, I feel His pleasure. Yeah. And it's just like, isn't that the cry of the human heart? Just yeah, to yeah. feel that affirmation from God. Yeah, and, and to think God's interested in our running, yeah, uh, our uh, menial tasks. And I think this is a good time to say this. I feel Holy Spirit uh, wanting me to say this. You know, people can look up to those in quote unquote ministry, though all of us are called to ministry. You know, read Ephesians chapter four. Yeah. The, the ministry gifts are given as gifts to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yeah. You're in ministry. You, you may not stand behind a pulpit. You may not be a traveling evangelist, but you're in ministry. And, and, and the sad thing is the church in, in so many respects has created this thing of secular versus spiritual. Now, I'm not talking about sin, okay? But... Let's say somebody's a lawyer or a housewife or a school teacher or a businessman. Just because they're in those fields of, of service or a woman is, is, is a wife and a mother, that doesn't make her inferior. Mm. You know, this stuff is spiritual. I mean, mm. we, we love Jesus and, and uh, uh, we're out in the workforce. That's spiritual. That, that's not secular. So you're not like a second class Christian. Mm. And, and people need to hear this. They do. Because, again, it's a part of, of, of finding our significance. If, if we feel like we're kind of second class and we just are supposed to show up in buildings on Sunday to listen to a sermon and do some worship and then put 10% uh, in an offering plate, you know, people can easily get bored. Or um, they may feel like over time they don't fit. And then, you know, God, you know, what's my place in the universe? I mean, how do you see me? And so I, I think that's very important as well. Um, mm. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I I feel that. I mean, you think about, you mentioned about ministry, right? And, and a couple of Father Heart guys here. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I have I have struggled with that. You know, I, rem I remember, you know, when I first kind of came into this revelation and then brought, and, I, and that's where I met you and the Father's Love Form and all these these heroes that I had in, in the faith that were just sharing this message. And I thought, man, I don't belong here. You know, why am I here? You know, and, and I yeah. just battled with those things and you know and of course it's sometimes it's a continuum right if you put me in a conference of you know a bunch of people with some speakers that I really look up to boy I, those buttons can be pushed in a hurry yeah, right yeah, still yeah, yeah. I, know, it, I know 
And it's that longing that, you know, I, I, to me, I remember one time I was speaking at a school of ministry and um, it, it, but the youngins, you know, the, the young people in it. And I opened it up to a Q&A and I just asked it any questions. And one young gal, probably in her early 20s, just said, if you could tell us one thing or share with us one thing that would help us the rest of your life, our lives, what would it be? And I hadn't prepared or hadn't thought of it. And I just said kind of, I responded without thinking. And it was just, I just said that God is your father. He absolutely loves you and your life is enough. Wow. And when I said that your life is enough, it was like I just felt this descending presence of love. And it just yeah. it just realized that, you know, a lot of us struggle with that, not feeling yeah. like we're enough. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And and how how much significance do we try and find from uh relations with other people? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm a relational guy. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you're if you're looking for worth and significance, um, even in the opinions of others, man, that that's a dead end street as well. You know, um, I, I've got a quote from my favorite author. I told you I was going to share this with you before. Uh, his name is S.J. Hill. I'm, I'm just joking, guys and gals. Uh, and, and this is some pretty strong language from uh, a guy by the name of Anthony DeMello. In his book, The Way to Love, he wrote, uh, look at your life and see how you have filled its emptiness with people. As a result, they have a stranglehold on you. See how they control your behavior by their approval and disapproval. Boy, isn't that the truth? Mm. They hold the power to ease your loneliness with their company, to send your spirit soaring with their praise, to bring you down to the depths with their criticism and rejection. Take a look at yourself spending almost every waking moment of your day placating and pleasing people, whether they are living or dead. You live by their norms, conform to their standards, seek their company, desire their love, dread their ridicule, long for their applause, meekly submit to the guilt they lay on you. You are terrified to go against the fashion in the way you dress or speak or act or even think. And observe how even when you control them, you depend on them and are enslaved by them. People have become so much of a part of your being that you cannot even imagine living a life that is unaffected or uncontrolled by them. Wow. Again, strong language, but man, there's some truth. <laughs> there's some truth in that because I, I have found in my own life, man, my, my emotions can rise and fall just depending on the affirmations I get. Mm or the lack of affirmation. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's, it's, it's crazy. I, I, I've been on the internet, um, or I'll get something on my email, whether it's on my, my phone or on my desktop. And, uh, you know, people will write and say, SJ, you, your book changed my life, you know, and they'll, mm. they'll share this testimony. And it's just like, whew. and many times I've read this like first thing in the morning. And it's like, whoo, what, what a way to start the day. Yeah. <laughs> and then within the same day, you either get some negative news about what somebody thinks about you or they've been critical of you or some private message pops up on Messenger and, you know, they don't agree with your Facebook post. And uh, it's like, man, it's so easy to go from this 
euphoria to yeah. to, to feeling like pond scum within a matter of a few hours. It's <laughs> 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 crazy. Yeah. Uh, so this stuff, you know, you can't hear it enough. Yeah. Can't hear it enough, man. And yeah. uh, I, I think, uh, I think for those of us, for lack of better terms, who are in fivefold ministry, uh, this this is incredibly significant for us to get. I remember I was um, doing a, a a pastors leaders conference. And the guy who invited me wanted me to be the, the first speaker at this conference <clears throat> on a Friday night. And he said, SJ, I'm specifically wanting you to start this conference because of what you carry as far as the message uh, God's given you. Because he said, you know, we as ministers and pastors can get so caught up in church growth and busyness and and uh, trying to save the world that uh, we fail to understand Father's affections for us. Wow. You know, we, we just don't stop long enough to let Father love on us, you know? So yeah. I, I felt I felt humbled, uh, I felt honored, but, but I'll tell you, Barry, it was one of the toughest things I've ever had to do uh, in wow. ministry. Because, you know, there's a couple hundred leaders and pastors there. And so I start talking about our true identity and uh, share from my own experience and uh, just really trying to affirm Father's love for them, mm. you know, telling them that their identity is to never be found in, in ministry, that, mm. that Father loves what they do for him, but it's not about their stuff. Yeah. It's about the fact that they're unique. And bro, I'm telling you the honest to goodness truth. Not one of them were taking notes. I, I, I would look out there and these guys were looking down, shuffling their feet. No, it was an object lesson for me. I told my wife after it was over. That was one of the hardest things I've had to do. And, and, and I get it, you know. Um, but uh, I had one guy come up to me afterwards. And uh, yeah, I, I, I want the audience, you know, your listeners to hear this. I have one guy come up to me afterwards and he was in tears because he said, I've gotten so caught up in this busyness, trying to grow a, a congregation. He said, I've lost this. Wow. You know, how, how many people, let alone leaders, would even yeah. be willing to be that transparent? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and so... I was touched by that, but I'm thinking, what's going on here? You know, it's just like, I, I think I went right over the heads of these people because they, they didn't want to hear it. I mean, it was like uh, they, they, they wanted to hear something about church growth, which leads mm -hmm. me to sharing with, with you and the people why I'm mentioning this. The next morning, uh, my friend, the guy who invited me, had a guy come in who was a church planter. So he got out his chart, man, he had like seven points and and and, and now, you know, all, all the guys are, you know, on the edge of their seats. You know, I'm not exaggerating. And a lot of them were like this and they're taking notes, looking at him, you know, cause they want to grow their congregation, man. And I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm just, I'm just trying to 
highlight the, the difference here. And after, after he was done his, his teaching, they pretty much swarmed him, you know, and I knew what they were doing. They were, they were wanting him to come to their church and, and, you know, to talk to the leadership about church growth. But it was a very eye-opening thing for me. The fact that, especially for, for ministers, that it's just really hard mm. to stop long enough to find our worth and significance in, in the Father's love. You know, mm. I, I just, uh, I know we, we've talked about this before. Holy Spirit's doing something very, very wonderful and unique in the earth. You know, I, I got my eyes open to this back, eh, probably early 90s. And then it just kind of grew from there. But back then, there weren't that many ministers or teachers that were even talking about God as Father. I, I, mm. I have said for years that we've had a forgotten father in church history. Mm. doesn't make the reformers or, or uh, guys who really sacrificed centuries ago bad people. Mm. You know, uh, a number of the, uh, the guys, the reformers, were either studying to be lawyers or they were lawyers. Yeah. And they had these encounters with the Lord, but the gospel became a transactional matter. You know, it's mm. kind of like, you know, pray a sinner's prayer and then, you know, you, you, you want to, you don't want to say, you want to say it the right way because God needs to be appeased. You know, we, we've mm. got a father pitted against his son on the cross. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into this, uh, but, you know, Jesus came to appease his father. That, that, that's dead wrong. He didn't come to appease his father. The father was in Christ <laughs> on the cross, yeah. according to 2 Corinthians 5, 19. Yeah. Doing what? Reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. Yeah. So you've got, you've got this whole transactional legal thing where, you know, out of the Reformation, you've got more of a courtroom scenario than a family room or even a, a family environment. Yeah. And yet Jesus introduced us to his Father. Yeah. And we're now one with Christ within the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're in the family, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> we've got a seat at the table. Yeah. And... That, that that should be our core identity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, we're we're coming up to Easter, of course, yep. this this weekend, and um I always I always think that the 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 first message that Jesus declared when he came from the tomb after he bumped into Mary is the first message. This is the resurrection message. This is what Jesus He said he said to Mary, Don't touch me because I've not ascended to my father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I'm returning to my God and your God, to my Father and your Father. And and I, that is the resurrection message. And I, you know, I don't know if I've ever heard a church on a sun, uh, Easter Sunday morning ever preach that message. Yeah. Or how many sermons on 2 Corinthians 5, 19? Right, exactly. You know, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, and we say, praise the Lord, but... Yeah, really? Seriously? You've got this angry deity, this angry God, 
yeah, he, he loves Jesus. He loves his unique son. He likes him, but, <laughs> you know, we have to appease Jesus' father. So it's like yeah. when Jesus came and brought redemption and we open up our hearts to Jesus, we get this picture of Jesus standing between us and the father, yeah. kind of doing this to the father, yeah. reminding him of what he did at the cross on our behalf. And that's, yeah. that's just, it's ludicrous. Yeah. He was reconciling the world to himself. This was about love. This was not about penalty, payback, mm. appeasement, you know, and, uh, yeah, I said to somebody a few years ago, I don't think I, I ever heard a message based on second Corinthians five nineteen, or put it the way Paul put it, mm. or he even says, he doesn't account our sins against us. You know, I, I open up my heart to him, obviously. Mm. I thank him for redemption, but yeah, the lengths to which he went to, to bring freedom is, is pr pretty, pretty amazing. You know, mm. I, I don't know how much more time we've got. Um, we got about uh, about twelve minutes, but we're doing. You're doing great, man. I'm I'm okay. soaking it all in. I'm just enjoying let it. Share, let me share something again, very personal. Um, I was down in New Orleans years ago uh, doing some meetings, and the guy who invited me in gave my wife and I a couple of days off, and uh, it, it was a unique place. He took me. I, I can't even really describe it. He was an avid fisherman, and it was kind of like a, a two or three story condo out in the bayous. I mean, seriously, you, you're wandering around on these roads just to get back to it, and then you, you walk up to it, and his boat was parked right there by a dock. <laughs> you're walking on the dock, and then going up some steps in, into this, this condo. Uh, like room and uh, it was really neat and I mean you're out in the boonies and he just said uh, I've got food here for you I'll take care of that but I just got want you guys to be uh, relaxed and alone and just take some time to enjoy yourselves and 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 so in in that set of circumstances I remember reading through the Gospel of John one day, and uh, my eyes were drawn specifically to uh, John chapter 13, where John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Mm. He doesn't talk about his apostleship, the, the healings he's experienced, you know, miracles, whatever. He doesn't talk about his ministry or his apostleship, he's writing about events, and he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he does that, Barry, five times wow. in the book of John. And I could cite the passages, you know, John 21, 20 is one of them. Um, I think he does it one time in John chapter 20. But there are five occasions where, where he refers to himself that way. Hmm. And you know, there's something good about meditation, you know, biblical meditation, where you take a passage and you just kind of chew on it, you know, you roll it over and you're thinking. It's like a cow chewing its cud. Yeah. And uh, a cow has four stomachs. So it's like you, you 
reflect, you read, reflect, swallow, regurgitate, <laughs> reflect. You know, no, it's 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 a beautiful picture. And, and and a lot of times we get up in the morning and you know we think we have to read a few Bible verses or God's going to be upset with us. And uh, but how often we we forget what we read, you know. And and uh, so I, I'm I'm really meditating on this stuff. And and it's it's just striking me kind of strange that of all the things John could have said about himself, he simply refers to him himself as the disciple whom Jesus loves. Mm. And again, it was one of those divine moments where Holy Spirit started unpacking this for me, where he said, you know, this was John's core identity. Mm. It wasn't about his apostleship. It wasn't about his ministry. I mean, think about the intimate moment when he actually leaned on Jesus' chest. And, and years ago, I had somebody from the Middle East tell me, that back in the day, they didn't eat uh, like we eat, you know, sitting on chairs. They kind of spread out with their with their arms under their their heads, and you know they they would do this and they they would eat and they, and they would converse and and talk in a very casual way. So you know, here's Jesus eating, and John comes over and leans on his chest, mm. and I'm thinking. You know that that divine heartbeat, that chest is available to all of us. You wow. know, I, I I refer to that holy heartbeat as, you know, that's available to us. Mm. And I and I think I'm correct when I when I say this. I, I believe that holy heartbeat. I believe that experience that John had was available to all of the disciples. Mm. John was the only one that took advantage. Mm of that situation at that time, you know, and, uh, and so that, that's stayed with me for, for years, uh, just to think that at the end of the day, yeah, I'm the beloved of the father, mm. you know, the disciple whom, whom Jesus loves, you know, it just, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's amazing stuff. Mm. Well, Back Go ahead. I was just I, no. Go ahead. Finish your thought, then I'll I'll say. No, no, I, no. Because I'm going to get into one more story. Okay, so you get I, you. But after your story, please tell the story. But then, can you pray for everybody? Sure. Because I just feel like what you were saying right there—just that essence of being so radically changed yeah. in our understanding of ourselves—that we, yeah. in a sense, even you know, we are that one of a kind. You know, uh, just creation, masterpiece of the Father, but we are so identified with being loved, right? That all of the insecurities and all those things are just, that the love of God would just, uh, you know, anyway, just overwhelm us today and remind us again that that yeah. is our true identity. So yeah, but yeah, tell your story and then, yeah, feel free. Well, the thing is too, Barry, uh, you know, it's not like God's up there and, you know, we have to pray for an open heaven or yeah. his presence. Yeah. He's not only all around us, but he's in us. Yeah, absolutely. And we're in union with God. I mean, <laughs> you know, so I love taking walks with, with Father Jesus, Holy Spirit. I, I do. I, I don't like being cooped up in a house, you know. <laughs> I, I like uh, taking walks. I like going out to a park and sitting in my car. You know, you could say, well, that's what old people do. It, who cares? I mean, it just it's just looking at the beautiful water. Yeah. Sometimes I get out of my car. 
but I'll have my windows down and just meditate and reflect on, on things. And, uh, and I, I just think we, we have to get beyond, you know, God's up there and, you know, who are we? We're just these little peons. No, you've got, you've got the life of God flowing in your veins, man, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, he indwells us in all of his fullness. It's, mm. it's mind-boggling and, 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 yeah, our core identity is is found in his incredible affections for us. Mm. So, my last story. Yeah. I was uh, in Australia doing like, um, oh man, what was it? Uh, probably six weeks of meetings. I've been over there like seven times, but, um, you know, the jet lag is incredible going over there. You, you cross the dateline. So, it, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. And I couldn't sleep, so I got up early one morning. That was back when I was doing some running. And I went out into a suburb and was just running, you know, on the streets. And uh, I just stopped long enough to to uh, catch my breath. And I was just thinking about the love of God as I was running. And again, I'm not trying to be spiritual when I say this. But I mean, it was clear as clear can be. Now, you know, we have S.J. Hill up here on the screen, but my actual name is Stephen James. But back in the day of the Brownsville Revival and during that, that period around uh, yeah, the late 90s and early 2000s, there were at least four to five Steve Hills that were traveling around the country. There, there was a vineyard guy. There was a guy out of England, I think. You had Steve Hill, the evangelist in Pensacola. And so uh, when I was teaching down at the uh, Revival School of Ministry, I was asked to, to change my name. And I thought they were joking, but uh, but uh, yeah, I now go by my initials in most places. And my publisher told me that it would be better to do that. So I'm only saying that because as I stopped to just kind of catch my breath, I, I, I felt Father God just speak so clearly to me. And he called me Steve and he said, Steve, you're my boy. Mm -hmm. That's all he said. But it was so strong and so real, I broke down and started crying and I'm in the middle of the street. <laughs> in the suburb of Australia, nobody knows me, you know? And, and then I catch myself and I'm thinking, man, I, I've, gotta, I've gotta start running again. But man, that was so powerful. Mm. You know, that sense of Father's presence was with me the whole time I was in Australia. It was like he was just reminding me that before I had done any meetings, this was before I had done my first conference or I had spoken at, at any church, he was just reminding me that it really wasn't just about my speaking. Mm that it was simply the fact that I was his boy. Yeah. And I can get emotional even now just thinking about it. And wow. that can be said of every one of us. You know, put your name in here. Mm. And let him say to you, you're my daughter, you're my girl, <laughs> yeah. you're my son, you're my boy. And then live out of that reality when you get up in the morning, you know, mm. dog breath and all, you know what I'm saying? With Sleep seeds tucked in the corners of your eyes, you know, not having it together. And yeah, maybe Monday morning and you don't want to go to work, 
But I always come back to that, man. Hmm. I'm his boy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, let's pray. Yeah. I, I feel the, the affirmation of Father all over me right now. So, yeah. Father, I just pray for these precious people. Yeah. Listening in on our conversation today, and I, mm. I thank you for your incredible love for us. I know this is harder for some than others. Uh, this was not an easy journey for me, but there was something in your grace that you put in me where yeah. I longed to believe it. So I just pray for grace for every one of us to long to believe this and keep longing to believe it and and to explore the mysteries of your fascinating love for us, mm. your beauty, your your affections and desires for us. You know, you, you know how we feel. <laughs> mm. Jesus came and he entered into the abyss of our darkness. And you know how we feel, how insignificant we feel so often and how alone and and uh, how unloved. And yet you continue to wrap your arms around us. And I just pray that the spirit of adoption, that, that mm. presence will be felt in us. Because adoption to you was not an afterthought. You know, I'll just say, Barry, I'll interrupt myself for a second. You know, in, in Paul's day, the, the young men who were adopted had greater honor and favor than the natural born sons. So this wasn't an afterthought. Mm. This is God's heart for us, placing us in his family. Mm. And I just, I just pray a, a greater freedom for all of us than we've ever known before. A living out of your smile not trying to impress you, not trying to do all the right stuff to just to, to feel halfway significant or accepted. But at the end of the day, just living life with you and mm. letting you take us to places where you want us to be, giving us divine appointments, but yeah, not reading a Bible or praying out of duty or obligation, but exploring the mystery of who you are and your love for us and then partnering with you in the earth mm. to bring freedom and love to a hurting world. Mm. Again, I speak blessing on everyone listening or who will listen. And Father, what I sense right now, I, I just pray that it'll be manifested on uh, these others. Yes, Lord. I thank you for my time with my friend Barry. Mm. Thank you for my time with those who have been watching. And again, Father, we thank you that you not only love us, but you like us and you can't get enough of us. And yeah. you're always there for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, brother. Thank you so much, Esther, for that. And uh, yeah, I, I just. Did. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. I need, you know, I need to know. I just we need to be reminded. Uh, you can't hear it enough, man. Yeah. Just, if you're preaching it, it's just like, that's the thing. I, You know, if, if somebody's not a teacher or a preacher, I don't think they understand sometimes that 
Hmm. Very things we're talking about, we, we've maybe experienced, but we hear the same things. And it's yeah. like, I feel God's favor all over me when, yeah. when I teach this stuff. You know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? That's, Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, Papa absolutely loves that. He, like, and I love it. I love how you said living from the Father's smile. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. And you know, and I think of the the Hebraic blessing in Numbers, where the Lord bless you and keep you. Yeah. And the the New Living Translation of of that blessing is the Lord smile upon you. Yeah. And it's just like living under that place of His affirmation. So. Yeah. Yeah, so th thank you so much, my brother, and thank you, everybody, for, for joining us. This video will be recorded, and it will be available uh, on Vimeo shortly. And again, uh, of course, you mentioned you've written quite a you know different books, but the three, can you mention those three books again? Yes, Enjoying God, A Love for the Ages, and What's God Really Like? And you can find them all on Amazon. Uh, they're in the Kindle format as well. And then, like I said, the last book, what, What's God Really Like, is on Audible as well. Yeah. And then also, you have some blogs and things that are on sj on, sjhailonline.com. Yeah, my website. Yep. Yeah. So that that's another way for people to connect with you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I have, we've been having a little difficulty lately, but I, I think people can still download. I did a whole semester's class at Brownsville on the Song of Solomon and they they can download that from my website and it includes like 95 pages of notes so wow yeah so that's available as well so that's anyway. amazing yeah. well I think thank you again SJ I, I hope you don't mind if I you know we we do this again maybe sooner rather than later but that would yeah, be lovely I, yeah, I just I, just a couple of brothers hanging out with our family around the world. <laughs> Can't yeah, exactly. It's so no, good. I would love to do that, man. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, everybody. And uh, yeah, so look forward uh, the, the video probably within a half an hour or so. It'll be up. So, wow. all right. Bless you guys. See you next week. Thanks. Bye.